Welcome to Bass University Live, everybody. Uh, great day. So excited. Got a super special guest in studio today. Uh, this is our own Jake Gluzak. Yep. Uh, fresh off of his win in the Ike Foundation Youth Derby on Union Lake this week. Man, I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Man, it was awesome. It was an awesome win. Are you still like, do you, uh, do you like when, when everything gets calm and quiet, do you think about it and like still smile? Well, I mean, like if you really have nothing else on your mind and you're just thinking back, it's, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. You're so surprised. You're just shocked. That's the greatest feeling. And, uh, it, it's just, it was spectacular. Uh, caught a couple giant smallmouth. We're going to talk about it. Um, what the tournament was like and uh, the conditions we faced and and uh, and and the baits we have all the baits that you use to win that tournament uh, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into that guys um, and that's not all uh, we have Alec Morris coming on he also smashed him uh, we've been wanting to talk to him for a while down at uh, Sam Rayburn at the MLF this year he absolutely crushed the field finishing over 24 pounds in front of second place uh, to, to notch the heaviest winning margin in the history of the tournament trail. Uh, so we're going to be talking to him about how that was accomplished. Um, you know, going to some of these strange bodies of water, he's just tearing it up, uh, whether it's Table Rock, whether it's Rayburn, winning the points, uh, just doing so well. And you know what I'm interested in, Rich? is a lot. I was reading a lot of these bodies of water were the first time that he, he set eyes on them. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it is really incredible. And, you know, Alec is a Champlain uh, native. Uh, that's where he lives lucky enough to be able to fish <laughs> Champlain that much. But, yep. you know, to be able to go down to uh, to Sam Rayburn, what we're really going to highlight kid from New York goes down to Texas first time on the lake and absolutely stomps their heads in by 24 pounds is is incredible. And, mm. you know, there's. There's really something, something there, something that we have to dive into with them is being able to take fresh eyes and a fresh approach to a place and, you know, be able to do that consistently and do it over the course of three days is incredible because it's a hard thing to do to, you know, you go to a new lake for the first time and you get on something really good the first time you're there, first day or whatever, but things change, things adjust and to be able to stay stay fluid and loose enough to to continue to just really dominate over a three-day period is is really impressive so i'm yeah. excited to hear about it I, I think it's i think it's amazing uh i think looking at lakes with fresh eyes is really the key to dominating a, an event because it's, so many guys you know you fish a place over and over and over again you know what it's like jake we go out on the Delaware River. You're like, oh, this spot again, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> like we, it's hard to go to the new spots, you know. But when you're looking at a place with fresh eyes, uh, man, you're just you're seeing the conditions as they develop. Can't wait to talk to Alec. He's going to be on. Uh, he's going to be on today's show. If you're watching us over on social, like and share the feed. We've got a great contest for you. And pay attention to the details on today's show. We're, uh, we've got a great grand prize giveaway. What are we giving away we today, Chas? We have Toss? a Rapala prize pack. So it has a bunch of Rapala hooks and um, some DT6s. There's a few things. Oh, man. I see red lines over These there. are the red lines, guys. You have you have been hearing about them. Guys are using them. They're winning with them. These are amazing. 
uh, really premium gear that that is coming through VMC right now. You want to check out the red line. We're going to be giving away some of those as part of our uh, grand prize today. And I want to give a shout out to our subscribers, Blake Bailey. Um, he cut a check this weekend at the BFL on Watts Bar. Nice All right, job, Blake. Um, Mr. Higgs fished the Northern Regional from his state, placed third as a co-boater, and put in 15 to 20 something water. <laughs> um, yeah, so great job to those guys. And awesome. said, me and my parents got 110th place in our high school world cha- championship out of 393 boats. That's right. outstanding. That's, awesome. that's t- fi- finishing the top of the field. Yeah. And those, there's so many boats in those events, 400 Crazy. boats. Can you imagine? There are enough boats on the water. I mean, enough water for all those. Right? <laughs> I don't know. That's a lot of boats. But uh, we're glad you're with us and hanging out uh, today. I'm super excited. My son is here and uh, is a super proud uh, dad moment. Uh, when when he was able to hoist the trophy and and he had such a great day and I was fortunate enough to be in the boat to watch it all go down. That's right. And uh, that made it even more special. Uh, so uh, so let's dive in a little bit, Jake. It was uh, it was Union Lake. Yep. And we were fishing the Ike Youth uh, Derby, which we fished last year at Union Lake. How'd last year go? I was pretty crummy. Uh, <laughs> gonna get too many fish. It was like. You'd get one here and there, but they'd be, like, really small, and you couldn't keep them. So yep. it was just – it was a real struggle last year. Really hard to get fish in the boat. But, yeah. It, that was hard. Uh, we fished last year with your friend Tanner, and uh, we uh, – you had a you had a short, a short small, and smallmouth mm-hmm. and some other fish, and uh, Tanner had a great big one that he yeah. lost. He lost that right up at the boat. Yeah. Oh, I was right there. That sucked. And that was really good uh, at, in that tournament because last year was so much harder. Like, uh, very few fish were caught. But this year, it seemed like the spawn was a little bit further behind. Fish yeah. were shallow. And, and a lot of guys had fish this year, which was really cool. Yeah. But we went um, we went and fished offshore. And we were... Uh, we went to the area where we got bites last year, which is like off of a creek channel. And um, what did you what did you catch in this tournament? Caught uh, two pretty good sized smallmouth and yes. um, pickerel. But yeah, it was really solid. We were fishing around shell beds, which was really fun, uh, really nice. You can yeah. really feel them when you're just fishing there. It's, it's fun. That's that's cool. That was key. The, the the creek channel sweeps up against the, the 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 ledge there really and just you know the current allows the muscles to you know filter the water makes these hard spots and uh, and that's what we were that's what we were targeting yeah. and um what you now you missed a couple because you actually caught four yeah. smallmouth oh yeah forgot about two those. two two were short uh less than 12 inches and he caught up uh, the pickerel which was like yeah. a two and a half pounder a nice one yeah. and uh and he caught a catfish. catfish yep yep wow so you're on it yeah <laughs> we, we were we were busy and um so we're out there fishing and um you're using a technique that we've been using down on the chesapeake yeah for for quite a long time and i've taught you how to do this and man you're pretty good at it now uh it's a it's a nico rig yeah and uh, we got the baits out here show show everybody what you were using so this is the sanko we're using as a little weight in here just to drop it down a little faster nice chartreuse tail 
keep the fish active and ready. Yes. We have our hook. I forget what the name of the hook is, but it has some weed guard so you don't get that's caught a, up. That's a VMC Nico weedless hook. It's a one-off. Yeah. Nice right there. Just kind of cast mm -hmm. that down and just like twitch, twitch, and then you might get a bite. You never know. You what? sound just like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, it really was awesome because we started out, and, man, this is it's like a dream when it happens like this. We get out of the gate. Yeah. And we get to the spot, and you're like, there's one. There's one, yeah, just like, boom. Yeah, you got it. And he was little. We actually, yeah. we kept him. He was about this big. He was a guppy. But yeah. we were proud of him because we didn't know how the bite was going to go yeah. that day. And um, and then, like, it, it was really fast and furious in the morning. Yeah, it was, it was like, it got calm later in the day. But right in the morning, it just, like, shot out of cannon. Fish, fish, fish. Then it chilled out. It was just a little flurry. <laughs> Then um, we just kind of relaxed for that day, just kind of fishing, throwing stuff in, trying to see what worked. Uh, we switched between all kinds of baits, but yeah. uh, Nico Rig is what really did it for us or for me. But, yeah, that was that was awesome. Hmm? Yeah, we did. We switched, uh, and we were trying to – you know cycle through baits and yeah. and that's what uh you know you do with smallmouth and you had uh you had a jig tied on a right. carolina rig and uh crankbait. but you had yeah. one yeah on the crankbait. crankbait yeah had a crankbait fish it was right there too and just poof, what kind of crankbait <laughs> i totally forget you know it, it? it was a dt10 DT10. Yep. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. We were yeah because we were trying to hit the like the boat was sitting in about 14 yeah. What, do you, what do you think? How deep were these fish coming? Like they were like uh seven feet to yeah. eight feet, somewhere in that area. They weren't yeah. like right beneath us. You could see them underneath the boat, but you just couldn't catch them. It was, it was yeah. but they worked. So yeah. yep, that that, that DT ten, like you wanted to be able to hit the bottom, bottom. Yeah. right, and grind right. it, and you could feel that grinding. You can just yeah. feel it against the shell, just like yeah, that's key. Yeah, that's super key. And you 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 pointed something out, Jake, when you were first talking about that bite with that Nico rig, is that you could really feel that shell because of yeah. that that VMC yeah. mushroom weight that's glued in there. And that is such a key deal is when you can feel the the bottom you're fishing. It's almost like you're counting every every shell. One, two, three, four, four, yeah. four five, six, yeah. boom. There's Catch a bite. One. It's like you're so in tune with what yeah. your bait's you doing. You got to really amazing. be focused awesome. with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny you say that, Rich, because as we're rigging this, we st I'm playing around with this on the table, and I'm like, listen to that. I'm like, that's what makes that Nico special, because you can, that, it's a half moon VMC, yep. right, where the, where the weight is outside of the worm. So if it was a nail weight inside the worm, right, you're not. You don't hear that. Nothing, no noise. But super key on the shells and the rock, we got a little tapping. Right, yeah. I think I and I and I really didn't. I really didn't. It didn't occur to me until we're sitting here playing around with the baits at the table. Right. Like wow, listen to that sound. It's really powerful. So it's hitting the shells and giving off that sound. It's that they like it's and smallmouth are so curious. They're like, what? What's making that noise? Right. And they it, yeah. it draws them over. Sounds like Jake needs to do a seminar for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Well, one of the things that, and I love, I love to use this half moon in a, you know, in a, in a lot of fish in, in this style, uh, the Dean's rig, I use this too, but one of the, the keys is, especially if you're fishing with kids or, um, 
you know, the, you can throw these baits and you'll throw the weights off. And, but what we do is we get a, we get the brush applicator, super glue, and we put the weight about halfway in. And then we put just a little bit under the collar of super glue. Right. And then push it all Pop the way in. in. Yep. And now it's fixed. Now, you know, that bait's going to. It's not coming out. It's not coming out. Yeah. And, um, Unless it flies off the hook, but I mean. Yep. And that, you know, we use, we like to go right through the worm. Um, I feel like your best strike to catch is, is there. A lot of times when you get a bite, I like that worm to fly yeah. off. Uh, so that's, that's key. Gets that worm out of the way. Right. You know, because that worm can ball up here and sometimes yeah. you lose them. And then, of course, we have the, we use, we chose the VMC um, Nika with the weed guard because, I mean, there's shells, there's wood, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff down there yeah. that you can get hung on. And that weedless just makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You know, such a good hook. Yeah. Yeah. So, that a lot so we're fishing right we we've got three pounder in the boat mm -hmm. right and um which is gold which is gold on that tournament right. you know it's hard to catch a two pounder we got a three and a quarter three and a half we're feeling pretty good and but right. but the bite's tightening up right yeah you yeah. know it's like we're spending a lot of time nothing's happening well i what was it 10 o'clock maybe when when the magic bite happened it was like 10 45 it was it was yeah. late in the day and um and it's like fish on like boom. and and jake boom he loads up and rod goes over i i run for the net and <laughs> yeah. i'm i'm looking away and uh and i hear it and it just it sounded like like we were talking like a bowling ball it sounded boosh. uh it's jocelyn right loves those noises we time. make and uh and it just it was so loud and it was quiet because we yeah. had this it was like it was really a beautiful day. We had overcast. We had hardly any wind. Good so you, fishing day. Good fishing day. You could hear the insects in the trees yeah. and the birds, and you could hear everything. So when this fish came up and out of the water, I bet I bet Ooh. you you guys heard it in New York, yeah. where you guys were. I think so. <laughs> it was it was awesome. And I heard it, and I'm like, that can't be a bass. That's got to be that's got to be a giant catfish or something, something, right, something yeah. else, and. And he and take take us through it. You were how was the fight? What it, so like it's just it's such an amazing feeling though. Like the second that, that yeah. it's on, right? I just have to say that. But like <laughs> that's your favorite it, part. It's the best that's everybody's part. favorite it, it's, part. It's yeah. just such a good feeling. But mm -hmm. the second I'm pulling back on my rod, I just like it feels like a monster's on, and I just wasn't ready for that. Like I was I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. You don't catch that on Union. So I'm I'm reeling in. I'm like, what is this? Right? I wasn't expecting it to be a bass either. But uh, it comes right up to the boat and makes it splash. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a smallie. And it, it's just like smallmouth give up such a good fight. It's just but, it's so much fun to catch them. I love catching smallmouth. It, but they do. They they yeah. they pull just a little bit harder than largemouth. Large yeah. Yeah. They're just tenacious. I think as they spend their lives in open water and they're always swimming. So they're just so strong. Yeah. And Somebody uh, described smallmouth the way they fight is having the will to live. <laughs> and that's like so true because like the largemouth, once they get tired mm -hmm. out, they just kind of yeah, all right, you can have me. Yeah. Smallmouth, they're always like that one more gear. Go 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 go. Like they do. Just keep digging. And when you're trying to unhook them, they're trying to bite your thumb. They're yeah. just they're still fighting even after they've lost. They're still battling. And uh and 
you know, so he's there and, you know, he's getting really good at, at I, I got to give you credit for fighting and landing fish because it, it takes a practice and it takes a lot of feel like a lot of people can overpressure a fish and with finesse tactics, you know, you can bend a hook or you can pull the hook right. out right and and other people uh when they're learning like they don't put enough pressure so a fish in that moment can right. jump and throw the hook right yeah so you i watch you you put a lot of pressure when the fish is out and right. that's great and as he gets close to the boat you start you start slowing down getting ready for his surge, surge. Yeah. yeah and and you pull and 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 you know it just where you're getting a really good feel for that and as you as you're pulling up and here comes this fish still haven't seen it it's tannic water i had i don't know what kind of fish it is yet right. uh and all of a sudden he comes up and i put the net on it and it's like it, it's a 4.61 pound smallmouth right is what it turned out to be and it was just it's too big for that lake it's yeah, like it's very surprising. unusual yeah were awesome. you calm or were you screaming? <laughs> I mean, I was in shock because it's like you yeah. don't you don't just catch those yeah. out on Union. It's it's uh, like, the truth. it was rough all day, and then boom, like whoa, okay, I'll Where take did that. you. Come from yeah. yeah. We we were like because we did when we caught the first fish, we were like doing celebration dance. We like, we we did a we did a update. You know, Jake sat down and did an update about you know catching this beautiful yeah. smallmouth. Right. And we thought for sure that that was going to be the top of the day. All right, it's not going to get yeah, any better than better, that. Yeah. I mean, that's so that did was. You, did you know right then and there you were like, I won? I mean, I wasn't sure because I was like, if I'm catching them like this, other people might be too. Yes. So I was a little worried about that, mm. a little skeptical. But then um, we went into the way, and I was like, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> but the, yeah, and we were doing math. We were right. so yeah. we were doing math in the boat because I happen to know that the previous weekend in a men's you know buddy tournament was one with ten pounds. Second, okay. our second or third place was eight pounds. And we were doing the math on Jake's weight. And I'm like, well, he's got eight pounds. Wow. And this is a shortened yeah. tournament. A kids tournament. Uh, kids mm -hmm. tournament. I'm like, mm, you know, we got a chance. We got a chance. Right? We got a chance. But we kept grinding until, you know, until the time ran out. And uh, it was just, uh, well, it was great. It was a great win. It was amazing, yeah. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we, we we got these wonderful, by the way, you guys, if, if you can fish these tournaments, I highly recommend it. You don't have to have any experience. The kids don't have to have any experience. Uh, go to ikefoundation.org. The next one's going to be in September. Boat captains, I want to give a huge shout-out to the boat captains um, that, that participate. Dave Haas, who is the tournament director, and and BTC, Brian Brian DeCarpenter, Brian Stockel. Neil Brooks. Uh, Neil Brooks. Uh, Ed String and Wayne Morris. Thank you for volunteering your time because you've got these you. kids out there and they wouldn't have yep. been able to. Yeah. It's so Good awesome. Stuff. Yep. These guys donated their time. And uh and I and we're gonna have another one in Newton Newton Lake in September. What's the Ooh. date? Uh right now it's September 9th. September 9th. Mm -hmm. So get yourself signed up. I might have to fake my birth certificate and fish that <laughs> one. <laughs> Newton Lake, man. That's I haven't been there in I yeah, also want to I want to mention too, Jake. You didn't just win the youth tournament; you also won Lunker, and you had the highest weight out of both high school and youth fishing tournament that weekend. Wow! Won the whole thing, Thank you. you won it all. Yep, the whole because there's two thing. divisions, right? It, what's it? Eight to 
13? Yeah, it's high school. So high school typically is like 13 to 14 years old um, and plus. So that's high school and then youth is below that. So you okay. you actually beat them all. Yeah, getting in the lunker. And that was great. You got these two awesome trophies and uh, and that was cool. But inside one of the trophy boxes was a, a $50 uh, Bass Pro Shops gift card. Yes. Which uh, we had to spend immediately. Right. The next day. Yeah. Had to. Like, you can't save that <laughs> thing. You got to use it. What'd we do? Where'd we go? Went to Bass Pro Shops. Where at? Uh, Atlantic City. Oh, wow. Went to the AC one. Nice. We had a fun yeah. day. Oh, yeah. That was that was fun. And um, I got this. This really awesome. nice uh like orange and blue rod it's radical yeah it's amazing like i gotta say really fun colored rod i think it's my favorite watch the tip yeah <laughs> we but. spooled it up with Cortland uh high-vis 10 pound braid uh and we put some leaders on it but this is uh david dudley is is involved with this project it's mm. proficiency um uh, it's called crazy and it is. It's crazy, but it's really cool. Caught the kids' eyes. So, so congrats. This this is your prize yeah, for for prize. winning the derby. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, and awesome job. Had a lot of fun. It was uh, it was. You kept your cool. You fished well. You executed well. Even on the one you lost, right. like the crankbait yeah, that... fish. You, I, I was watch observing the whole thing, and you kept really good fishing pressure on the fish. You never let up. And uh, sometimes it's fishing, you know, sometimes yeah. the fish right. get off and uh, but you did a great job with that. And the other two, you, you were masterful on, on how you handled those because yeah. they, they're fight, they're big and strong. Yeah, They're fighting as hard as they can. Yeah. But... That was awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to doing and doing some more. I know uh, we fished the Ike Foundation uh, tournament this year, you and I as a yep. team. And uh, we we finished kind of middle of the pack and uh, yeah. we're looking forward to doing that again next year i don't know i feel sure. like you're gonna have to fish against him and see how you do i think uh, i might win that one <laughs> but, uh, for a title of that, the dean <laughs> i tell you what if i have to lose to somebody that that's all right oh. with me you know what's that's the the ultimate compliment when uh, the student outperforms the teacher but uh you're not there yet <laughs> i'm gonna beat you i'm gonna beat you dan uh, allen wants to know what was your total weights 7.7 7. 7. yeah 7.7 yeah, 7. 7 pounds he had two he had two small mouth for 7.7 7 pounds yeah which was the the winning bag i think second place was three pounds or four pounds or something like that uh yes two pounds two pounds was second place mm -hmm. wow you had a five oh. pound winning margin see that's what yeah. we're talking about we're gonna we're talking about winning margins today yeah. mm -hmm. uh we've got a <laughs> we've got alec coming on talking about his 24 pound winning margin wow uh down in texas uh gonna be awesome we're gonna dive in deep there so uh so give this a try this is this is the our version of the nico rig with the vmc hook right. the half moon weight little crazy glue and this is the core shot and this is something that's key uh for these sankos this is a sanko and but that brilliant brilliant chartreuse tip sometimes i think it matters for the smallmouth yeah they love those radical colors Yeah, they love like those like real like pink lures too they're yeah just, they like, do right to it like anything mm -hmm. that's bright they're just attracted to it immediately they love that stuff yeah well guys uh if you're watching over on facebook like and share the feed we got a prize for you 
Uh, hope you paid attention to what we talked about here. I don't know what the grand prize question is going to be, but it might be uh, some of the things we talked about. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Alec, and we're going to be talking about a massive MLF win on Sam Rayburn Reservoir. Jake, congratulations again, buddy. Thank you. Dad, thank you. Great job on the interview, too. Yeah, thank well done. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Uh, we'll be right back after this. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense. It's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That's made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count.
Welcome back to Bash <laughs> University Live. We are uh, just wrapping up our first segment there with the champ, Jake Gluzek. Got the win this past weekend on Union Lake. We just got the juice <laughs> on how it all went down. And uh, Pete, he was a natural. He's, he's comfortable in the moment, comfortable on camera. Not, yeah, not everybody gets comfortable when their microphone's in their mouth. So, uh, right so yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he spoke freely, which uh, sort of freely, you know. Um, you know, we I was worried that he might, you know, bust my chops like he <laughs> like he does normally when I'm nobody so else mad around. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting pretty good at it, but he was great. Uh, and that that little tip. Like of that that half moon clicking sound. Yeah. Uh, like I said, that that was new uh, to my ears. So that was that you know something I didn't realize was probably a big part for sure of getting those bites. And yeah, I and, mean, there's a lot of things that make the Nico the Nico rig unique, and I think all of those all of those things make it it's it's in its own world. And you know the the sound of the clicking, the pull point, the fall rate, the everything. You know, true. people can say, oh, it's just a shaky head. Oh, what, what's different than throwing that or a Texas rig? Well, there's a lot different. It's there's, water. It's resistance in the water. It's there's that, so that much pushes a lot more. Yeah, there, there, there is a lot to it. And uh, and he's getting so comfortable with it. Like there there's two baits. We didn't get to talk about his other favorite, which is the Whopper Plopper. Mm -hmm. You know, there's two, two baits that he just that he has them tied on all the time. It, Neil Brooks is saying that he took the time to teach the kids how to frog fish. So what made you go into that knot with the frogs? And isn't it like typically this time? Well, that's a great question, really, Josh. And and Neil, thanks for being part of the event. That's awesome that you were there and, and uh, donating your time. But the, uh, the, the two, there was two kind of schools of thought. Like there were still a lot of fish hanging around the shallows, hanging around the spawn. Right. And that was, um, you know, visual cover, visual stuff. And then what we did was, and there were a couple other boats that did it, but not for very long, but we went out deep to catch what, what we were thinking were post-spawn fish, fish that were done with the spawn and had started to feed. And that was, you know, that was kind of the strategy that, that we started at the tournament with. But like Jake said, we got the bites so quick doing right. it that it allowed us to stay with it all day. Get, and get get comfortable get down. comfortable say hey we're this is the right thing we're gonna work right yeah we're gonna stay with this program and did you have another kid on your boat or was it just you and no it was just me and jake nice yeah. father sunday yeah yeah we we had a kid lined up but he had a he wound up having a swim meet that um, conflicted so we sorry. we had to we had to go solo this time but uh we're looking forward to newton hopefully uh yeah you know this will be you know maybe and maybe next year we'll fish the whole trail hopefully. what's awesome is this is our second year doing it and mm -hmm. the kids have doubled so wow we're, we're gonna keep keep pushing and get more but i think we had like 24 wow that's awesome okay well um you know we talking about uh from one tournament champ it was awesome to have them uh to uh to another tournament champ uh Really did an amazing job, and I appreciate him taking the time to come and hang out with us. We've been wanting to talk to him for a while, but he won with a massive 24-plus-pound margin of victory down at uh, Sam Rayburn this year at uh, an MLF event. And so excited to have him with us today. Alec Morris, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me. Man, it's great. It's great to have you here. Uh, you, just, uh, you, you just fished another derby up on Champlain, didn't you? 
Yeah, just wrapped up the uh, Toyota Series event here on my home lake of Champlain. It was definitely a good one and feeling good. That's man, you are on a roll. It seems yeah. like everything you're touching is turning to gold. And I, and I had been following the uh, the Champlain tournament. Of course, we love that lake. Um, we we none of us get to fish it as much as we'd like to, <laughs> but uh, but it's a it was a spawn uh, spawn fest as it normally is in June. Mm -hmm. uh, but you you were right at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I didn't take the uh, typical spawn approach uh, on this one. Uh, mostly because I've just done it for a lot of years up here and, you know, a lot of guys like it. I like and I enjoy doing it, but uh, it's not really my favorite thing anymore. I kind of just wanted to stay off, you know, stay off the bank and scope and try and figure out a post-spawn deal. Um, you know, it, I really believe that with the weather and the lesser winners that there'd be, there'd be more post-spawn fish coming to me this event. Uh, despite how early it was. So that's kind of the game plan I stuck with. I only caught one bedfish in the event. Wow. That's only because I needed to because day one was so tough for me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's impressive that you were able to be that competitive with uh, post-spawn fish. It's like, man, you got to be you got to be dealing with that confounded flogging device of some sort. <laughs> yeah. man. that thing is. That thing is a chore to manage. It's a lot funner standing up, looking at your scope, I bet. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I, I love flogging for them. I don't, I never really do it for fun anymore. I catch them on beds here, but during tournaments, it's definitely a cool thing. Uh, I really enjoy doing it like during full swing spawn, uh, like the beginning of June. Um, you can basically just go out there and, you know, know exactly what you're going to catch for the tournament. Uh, so it's a it's a cool experience but like i said for this one i really didn't want to focus on that i knew a lot of people would be doing it and uh, i knew some areas would definitely be getting pressured and it really is a whole different game you know you got to manage fish totally differently and and know what you need to catch each day and which ones you need to save and you know fish leave and uh, sometimes you don't have an opportunity to catch them if they leave or if somebody else catches them so it's a different game, and I didn't really want to play that one this time around. Uh, if it was the beginning of June, then hey, you know, I would have I would have stuck with that that game plan. But since it was towards the end, and I was seeing some good fish offshore, not offshore, not necessarily deep, but just post spawners and grass and and uh, shallower rock mix and stuff like that, and it seemed like there was a good amount. Of good amount of fish moving out there uh, to some of those areas. And I knew theoretically it'd only be getting better, right? You know, as time went on. So that was kind of the game plan that I stuck with. Well, it was a, it was a great finish, another great finish and Thanks. honestly an understandable finish for you, right? We, <laughs> all right. You know, the top 10 at Lake Champlain, that's, that's, you know, that's your backyard. That's your wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. Going down, and this was in what was it May? You were mm -hmm. going down to Texas. Nobody, I, if you were, if there was fantasy fishing going on, I don't think you would be picked. <laughs> the only uh, New Yorker there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Yankee does not get picked in the first round in no, that tournament, no. and yet you went down there and absolutely dominated and crushed the field. Uh, and and it, it was amazing. The whole fishing world was talking about it. I'm glad we got a chance to talk to you about it today. But that 
you've done something I don't think anybody will ever do again. Oh man, it's it's definitely been an experience. Uh, you know, it's I still think about it every day and still trying to wrap my head around it. And you know, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like it was total luck or anything. You know, I I had a plan and I went there for a purpose. And and despite not being there, I did a lot of research and knew it would set up for my strengths. And that is really why I went. Well, t- take us there. What, what your strengths, you, uh, you said that right out of the gate, you were just, you know, using your mm-hmm. forward facing sonar on Champlain. Yeah. Uh, is that, it, is that that deep water strategy? Is that your wheelhouse? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my absolute favorite way to fish hands down is essentially to graph and to find offshore structure and targets on uh, deeper water that I can throw at. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, Basically, that's all it was on Rayburn, was just rotating uh, an immense amount of spots that I felt like were more high percentage than others to hold big ones. And it helped because I didn't have that history. So, you know, I would I'd roll I would check things that, you know, I didn't catch them on practice in practice on. But during the event, I would keep checking them and keep checking them. And if I felt like they were right. And a lot of those decisions in the tournament, I ended up pulling up to uh, piles or areas that I felt were right and they weren't on in practice, but I'd show up there in the, in the event and there'd be a six pound dot over the pile. So <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And uh, I kept, it definitely kept me, uh, kept my head in the game. And I knew even just after practice, my first day of practice there, that what I was doing was right. And I just needed to continue doing that. What makes the the high percentage spots? What makes them high percentage spots? Like, is it, you know, a combination of, you know, a few different things or like for you, what, you know, what were the ingredients that you needed to make it right? Definitely. It definitely was, you know, they had to have a few key things. Uh, I learned early on. I mean, the first, I believe like five or six hours of practice, uh, I didn't make a, I didn't make a cast. I just graphed and um, I was finding, you know, it's not just brush piles that are there. There's an immense amount of wood of all different kinds. You have like standing timber forests, which was something that I had never fished before. And at first it was, uh, it was very uh, almost a little spooky. I'd be idling in like 50 foot of water and worried about hitting the top of a tree. And I'm like, this is insane. But but yeah, so there's definitely a lot of different kinds of wood. Uh, you got like those standing timber forests. You have man-made brush piles. And then you have like a lot of timber that's laying down on bottom. And um, I was basically just trying to get a feel for what kind of habitat they the bass were actually going to be living on. Uh, it's very There's a very similar case up north here. And say so you get into a five-mile area. And it's just loaded with rock and boulders and stuff. You know, they're not going to be on every one, but they might be on that one that, you know, is just basically a little different, uh, a little more isolated, a little deeper, a little bigger, you know, closer to deep water or a break or something. And a lot of those uh, same ideas that I have for smallmouth and how I target smallmouth offshore all over the north, I basically took that and did the same exact thing on Rayburn. Like there was little 
to no difference. Uh, I ran brush piles uh, and fished for them for, I'd fish each one for like five, 10 minutes at max and then move on to the next. And that is essentially exactly what I do on Champlain and Ontario, Oneida, you know, wherever I may be up north is basically the same series of, of patterns that I would, I'd go through to, uh, to try and figure out what I, what I need to be fishing. Except for like you're probably fishing rock up north, yeah. rock yep. outcropping. Be, up like here, it. it's a rock pile, and down there, it was a brush pile. But essentially, everything was the same as far as uh, how I'd position the boat, how long the cast I'd be making to them. You know, basically just spot set up, and I'd really was uh, kind of just graphing and practice the same way, just following breaks. And up here, I'd be following a lot of points and um champlain you basically follow any point out into the lake and there you'll pick up some rock at the end of it um whereas rayburn i was learning that basically on the edges of those drains close to where those flats come off and and break off into like that main lake deep deep water um a lot of those really good piles that i caught were piles that crappie fishermen placed and they would place them in some amazing areas. Like <laughs> I'd be graphing. I'm like, man, you know, if there was a pile here, it'd probably be good. And then you'd basically idle over a pile after you said that. So uh, <laughs> those crappie guys know where to put them. And, um, and that was definitely a big key was just really breaking down all that wood and figuring out uh, what kind of stuff the bass were actually relating to, because there's such an immense amount and they definitely weren't on all of it. So you you had standing timber, um, mm -hmm. you had like you had mentioned logs, uh, so you had identified that it was it was the brush, right? That was yep. that was it, the key. Yeah, I had caught some big ones in practice around the standing timber, and I had a couple areas where it seemed like there was a population uh, in that black forest area, but I never ended up catching any big ones during the event doing that uh just scoping that standing timber i think it might have been um partially due to weather change um definitely had a lot of changing conditions throughout practice in the event but yeah the best for me was definitely um not only the the piles that crappie fishermen place but the fresh ones, the ones that had a lot of leaves on them and you couldn't uh, actually see fish in there. But when you would fish them, you would pull fish out of them. But the the fresh piles were definitely were definitely the key ones. Wow. Live you, versus dead. That's such a yeah. key deal. When you were graphing all that stuff in practice and like marking mm -hmm. all the piles, could you or did you need to like see fish while you were graphing or did you like, OK, I don't see any dots on this one right now. You know, you're just marking the cover and the structure and kind of banking on that. If you work it through a rotation, they'll they'll be on it eventually or. Yeah. So the first couple of days of practice, um, aside from like that first five hours I graphed on day one, uh, I marked a ton of piles and different ranges and different areas. And then I spent the rest of that day going back through and fishing them, um, trying to get an idea for which ones were better than others. Um, and then from then on, I spent probably about the next four days really just graphing and looking, not necessarily idling directly over piles, but trying to find as many 
good looking ones as I could. And like I was saying earlier, I had a really good first day of practice um, that kind of gave me the confidence to know I was doing what I needed to be doing and that I could just spend the next four or five days graphing and not fishing. Um, you know, the biggest do. it is, but I also love it. I mean, my buddies make fun of me for it. They could barely they come fishing with me and I'll graph for like 30 minutes and they'll be like, dude, we got to make a cast. And I'll be like, <laughs> I, I'll graph out there all day, 12, 13, 14 hours and not make a cast and not care. Um, I like it just as much as fishing. Love. Um, and really that first day, uh, after graphing four or five hours, I was able to run through a certain section of those piles that I found and I caught uh, like a nine and three quarter had about 31 <laughs> pounds. And then after that, I caught like another 20 pounds and I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a smash fest out here, but I am doing the right thing. So that's what gave me the confidence to just continue on uh, graphing and not necessarily fish for the next few days, because at the end of the day, um, I really just, the biggest task for me on Rayburn was just breaking down all that water. It is a big lake. It's not as big as the places I'm used to fishing. So I wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, startled by it. I just knew I needed to give myself enough time to look at my units and break down areas um, as opposed to actually fishing them. Um, so that was the biggest key at first. And uh, yeah, that's definitely what, what led to uh led to the big ones <laughs> yeah so so basically you caught a nine pounder and you're like well this is probably a good thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> i might be close to something good here that's funny yeah. was, was, that's a huge fish man or, or from our neck of the woods it's yeah, not totally. only you run into that fish was that your personal best uh it was not i spent the winter down in florida uh this mm. year kind of practicing my craft down there and uh on the side i was getting my uh, captain's license while i was down there but i spent the winter down there you know really just learning florida fisheries and florida strain largemouth and that really had a huge play into this this event but uh no that one on rayburn was my pb i i was able to catch 10 over 10 pounds in florida um Ooh. during my short time down there and uh yeah, I learned a lot about, you know, Florida strains and uh, had about fishing for big ones only, really. That was my goal on on Rayburn is I would pull up to a pile and there'd be two to three pounders on it. And if I didn't see a big one, I would just leave, essentially. Um, so it was just really about rotating those big ones. I knew I was doing things to get them to bite. It was just how, how I was just trying to see how many big fish I could throw on in a single day. And I feel like that's what gave me, you know, the best opportunity to, uh, to get a few to bite. Talk that, about your bait selections a little bit. Like what, uh, what were you, what were you working through there? Well, it really changed because throughout practice, um, I don't know if any of you guys recall seeing, um, but we had a ton of wind and a ton of rain, like quite literally rain for like eight days. And I was catching a lot of fish in practice, you know, power fishing more so like a crank, uh, a swimmer, uh, like a bigger swim bait and a smaller uh, like Kitek on a spin rod and stuff. I did a lot more like power fishing and looking around and and uh, conditions really set up for that a little better in practice. 
Um, but going into the event, uh, conditions totally changed, um, actually the day before. And, and, you know, we had slick, calm conditions, uh, high skies, warm weather, water temp increased, uh, air temp increased. And I really just, uh, at that point I'd felt like I found what I needed to find and I just needed to rotate and uh, in front of those big ones in the tournament. But the most important thing for me during the event itself was to really just slow down on those big fish. You know, the, I didn't necessarily have power fishing conditions. Um, I mean, up north, a smallmouth will eat a crankbait when it's dead flat, but I don't know about down there. Uh, I really wasn't too confident in that. But yeah, I really just slowed down during the event with a couple different uh, worm variations, nothing special. Um, those Florida strains really love uh, eating a big straight tail worm. And I had the two main variations I had were a, uh, a Rains bubbling shaker on a drop shot. That version was a seven inch and uh, fished it on a weedless hook, a, a Hayabusa 1.0 FPP, and just a real light tungsten Rains weight to get in and out of piles. And then the secondary setup that I did not get as many bites on as the drop shot was a uh, it's just your basic Texas rig with a 10 inch worm. Uh, it was the same worm. It was the rain's bubbling shaker, just in a larger size, the 10 inch. And as opposed to your typical Texas rig with a sliding bullet weight, uh, I was fishing a sliding tungsten, uh, rain's football head. And, um, I throw that football head a lot up, up North. And essentially what that does is it fishes similar similarly to like a um what do you call it like a rugby head i guess vmc right. would call it or something similar like that but um on a lot of those you know that that football head is connected to the hook and as far as smallmouth go they like to jump and shake and throw those so years back i got on the sliding football head and you hook them offshore and they jump and the sliding football head just slides up the line and you definitely don't lose as many but what one key for me down there was on those really deep piles is you definitely have a better sense of sensitivity and feel with a football head down deep as opposed to a regular bullet head and it really didn't make a difference um it's not like i was getting hung up all that much more but overall i liked it a lot more for you know really feeling my way through a pile and slowing down uh just getting a lot better bottom contact with the football head that's that's really interesting uh i thought you i didn't realize you were going to go in the way of strike to catch you know you're landing more fish because of that that head's free mm -hmm. uh yep and, yep and i've 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 got more questions but i know our im board is mm -hmm. Wanting to ask a few, Jocelyn, we let me a, send it to we you. We have a couple questions. Tuck, subscriber Tuck wants to know, what is your go-to bait? And I think he means, like, do you have a bait that you always use no matter where you're at? Uh, yeah, hands down. I'm a smallmouth guy, you know, through and through. Uh, live and breathe fishing offshore. And what that says is a drop shot. And I use a drop shot basically anywhere. I don't know who doesn't. Um, but that's just something I've spent you know, my whole life doing up here, uh, since I started fishing, uh, I was throwing a drop shot up on Champlain. So it's just something I have a, a lot of confidence in, uh, no matter where I've been in the country, it's, it'll get bit, 
And, you know, there's a lot of different very variations you can make with it uh, in order to, to have it better suit where you're fishing. Uh, and that's just definitely probably, that's my confidence bait. You could throw it anywhere and get a lot of bites. Drop shot. Joss, what else we got? Um, this is a question a lot of people are asking. Uh, but Blake Bailey, our subscriber, wants to know, how did you mentally deal with that large of a margin going into the final day? <laughs> yeah, where, were, where was your head at? I mean, you're sitting there in the catbird seat going into the final day. Did you did you think anybody could even have a prayer catching you? Uh, Yeah, you know, I had a big lead and and, you know, I was at the day three meeting and everybody was congratulating me. And I'm like, you know, guys, <laughs> there's one day left in the event. Like, this yes. is Rayburn. I, I caught, uh, I had two fish die on day two, unfortunately, right before I weighed in. But I had 29.9, but I actually weighed uh, 30 pounds in an ounce. And quite literally, Rayburn, you know, somebody very well could have caught 35 to 40 pounds on the final day and surpassed me if I, you know, if I decided to lay back a little bit, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous going into the final day, you know, I've worked my whole life to be in this position and quite literally my whole life since I was 10 years old, this is all I've wanted. Um, so being in that position, you know, all I knew I needed to do was to go out on the final day and try to catch another 30 pound bag just to solidify this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I well, wasn't how, feeling safe. <laughs> how, how? So take us through that. Like, uh, like Jake was here. He got lucky. It happened early, like in the first mm -hmm. several casts. Um, was that for? Did did you get the pressure off early, or did it make you work and sweat all day? Yeah, it. They made me work for it a little bit. I did catch a limit pretty quick on a couple limit spots, um, but. Day oh, that's got to be a good move. That had to settle you down. Did you do that on purpose? Like, you know what? Let me just go get five. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. had found some shallow piles that I didn't use the first two days. Um, but they're basically just like eight to ten foot piles uh, outside like spawning areas. It would be like the first place that some of those fish would move out to. And I had a few of those that really I could just roll up and quite literally catch five and five casts for like a 10 to 12 pound limit. So that's what I did. Um, I, I went to one primary spot first and it wasn't really happening, which I didn't care. It's all right. But yeah, it's secondary. I went to those spots and caught a quick limit and, uh, and then basically just started to slide around and do some things a little differently, check some stuff I hadn't checked. Like I had every day. And then, um, yeah, just tried to uh, figure out the the correct set of piles that I needed to rotate that day. Wow, that's uh, what a, what an amazing feeling! And I want to I want to come in come back to that because there's a couple things that I had questions on uh, that we didn't quite uh, that I wanted to get to because it's bash you and we got to know the details. Mm -hmm. uh, how was that 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 sliding football head coming through the brush? That's not uh, mm -hmm. like in my mind. That's that's not my first choice. Getting yeah. hung up a lot, you know, yeah. hard to get through a brush pile. What what do you? But it worked for you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and it definitely is going to get slightly hung up more than a regular bullet weight head, but it really isn't as much as you would think. Uh, you know, a lot of those piles 
some piles are definitely bigger pieces of brush and some are like pretty gnarly like uh i don't know just it's like really yeah. dense piles um mm -hmm. those ones obviously if i threw right in the middle of them and sank down in i probably wasn't getting it out but at the end of the day on those really deep piles like past 25 past 30 uh, i use this a lot really just to get a better feel of what's going on down there and you very well do have a better a better uh, bottom contact with with the wider head and also the tungsten as well you know it's not huge it is still smaller in diameter i was using a half ounce weight i wasn't using uh you know a one ounce or anything like that so it really isn't a huge profile it did get hung up a little more but i was typically able to get it out and it was really just about getting a better feel uh, for what my worm was doing down there. And I could, I was able to slow down because of that for sure. Oh uh, yeah. That's amazing. I, that's a great choice. I guess for the situation, it worked really well. And that mm -hmm. depth, you talked about the depth. We were in eight, 10 feet for the, for the smaller guys. Mm -hmm. How You were in 25, 30 feet. How deep were your primary targets? Yeah. I mean, day one, that nine, it was like a nine and three quarter. I caught that one out of like 29. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Like, I like this. I, <laughs> that 20, that past 25, like 25 to 40 ranges is something I fish a lot up north for smallmouth, comfortable in that zone. Yep. Uh, I knew that shallow piles could be a deal, um, specific ones. So I practiced those a lot, but I never really found um, one with, concentrations of big ones on it on day two i did lose a nine to ten pounder in one of those eight eight to ten foot piles um but other than that one fish that was the only big bite that i had on those shallow ones so i really just stayed deeper um and and focused on not so much getting a lot of bites but just scoping piles until i found ones that had a bigger a big fish or two on them and then rotating those kind of piles awesome that's deep and makes sense you're comfortable in that mm -hmm. depth zone a lot of people aren't uh but yeah but where you're from i mean that's common to be fishing that deep yeah um, yeah it really is i i don't look at 20 foot as being deep you know a lot of guys will but if you think about it you know you're standing on the front deck of your boat your boat's 20 foot long like it's really not that deep and and uh it does take time you know to kind of get some confidence out there you know it's a lot of water it's a lot of looking but at the end of the day that's where your graphs play a huge role and i can get a lot more done in a 12-hour day if i idle all 12 hours than if i fished all 12 hours mm -hmm. so that's that's a big key of it all is i spent way more time graphing then probably most did. And I, I knew I needed to do that basically because of the size of the lake. I gave myself a decent amount of time. I had 10 days, but I knew I couldn't look at and fish all of Rayburn in 10 days. So uh, a lot of research came in beforehand and basic research will tell you that, okay, this 10 mile section of the lake is where it goes down just about all the time for deep fish on piles. And I was like, man that's where i'm gonna be so i spent you know 10 days basically breaking down a, a 10 mile area and not getting too overwhelmed with finding stuff by the ramp or finding stuff over here i just wanted to run to my key areas 
and be able to hit if I had to hit 60 piles, 70 piles in a day in that main area, uh, then that's what I was going to do. And I knew that if I just kept with it, that I would run across those big ones eventually. That's amazing. Uh, and work like a, a charm. I got to mm-hmm. ask you this. I've spent a lot of time idling. I mean, I love it mm-hmm. too. Pre-fishing to me is like, that's the funnest time. Yeah. I, it's just no pressure. You're you're mm-hmm. you're full of anticipation of what you might find enthusiasm yeah but it's making me but, want to drive up to champlain this week <laughs> not bring a rod just idle for two days straight getting ready for that bfl no i'm dead serious uh, yeah I, I might drive up friday yeah. night and just, just idle for two days I, it is inspirational as a c- competitor but as a t- common angler they're like oh do you nuts yeah mm-hmm. right. you know i'm i'm fishing yeah. right out of the gate what what's your key what's your recipe like uh do you have like uh, a case of Mountain Dew? What <laughs> into your headset? Yeah, I mean, twelve hours staring at that screen, man. What what do you what are you doing while you're doing that? Yeah, I mean it's pretty funny. Typically during an event, I'm one of those guys who like can barely sit down to take a drink of water. But when I'm graphing all day, I have an enormous lunch, basically with a lot of <laughs> snacks, drinks. I bring my phone charger, you know, a battery pack so I can listen to music, talk to people, you know, do whatever. But but yeah, I, I do enjoy it. So it helps out a lot. I've spent I've spent quite literally thousands and thousands of hours graphing. And it's just like it's just so comfortable. I know that uh I'm just going to get a lot more out of graphing than if I were to, to just put the launch the boat and put the trolling motor in the water and fish, you know, that, that to me is quite literally like a waste of time. Uh, let's say you, you drive out. If I were to go out to Rayburn and get out on those Caney Creek flats and just started fishing all that wood and stuff out there, you know, I never would have figured out, in that first day what the actual you know what the actual deal was i could have graphed for five minutes and been like oh there's some wood and fished it and turns out there's like acres of that so you know it's it's really it i knew i needed to just spend time behind the units it's the same thing we do up here um just a lot of our practice has to do with idling over rocks and piles and breaks and really just just setting yourself up to to go back in the tournament to know like what those bigger ones are going to be on and and rotate that stuff accordingly but yeah definitely definitely helps out a lot and i bring a lot of snacks on board to keep myself (laughs) occupied so i I, i'm i'm curious about like you know i i understand the idling on a place like raven um Mm -hmm. you know like it in my head it's just it's making more sense but like i'm having a tougher time understanding why the graphing is so important on a lake like champlain because like you know i i know like some of the differences on that lake right like there's Mm -hmm. there's grass areas there's rock areas there's 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 all kinds of different stuff but like what what makes it so important on champlain for you are you are you looking for like transition areas are you looking for actual fish what are you what are you yeah well there's a couple champlain is super diverse as you guys you guys both do well there fish there a bunch um but like i mentioned earlier uh my favorite style of fishing is definitely champlain like if i had to pick i'd be running 60 spots a day making two casts per spot like on forward sonar and basically just fishing up as many high percentage things as i can offshore 
And that's really my favorite style of fishing. And that's what I, what I basically how I go about it. And you don't have to do that on Champlain. Um, right. Cause you can but, get on a school and catch 40 out of yeah, that school. Yeah, exactly. But uh, with my history here, it's just, a, it's definitely can set up to be a spot lake, uh, either an area lake, like where you're sitting down and fishing an area for a large population where there's large population of fish, which is what I did in this Toyota series event. Um, I wasn't necessarily running a ton of spots. Um, but yeah, it really just sets up. That's the way I like to fish run around like a madman and make two casts per spot. And even sometimes drop the trolling motor and my, my co's taken off his life vest. And I look point, point at the whatever it is the piece of structure and i'm like oh dude they're not there we're gone you know just leave <laughs> wow. it's basically just my my style of fishing and uh certain times of the year champlain sets up extremely well for that and that's how i was able to learn how to fish like that was just you know spending all this time here uh growing up graphing and fishing mm -hmm. like that and that's uh, literally essentially the same way I would fish a Toyota series in August here. I, that's how I went about fishing the Rayburn event. They were quite literally big, small mouth for me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question about the bait. Uh, you're using a straight tail worm. Mm -hmm. It's very common to use the ribbon tail, right? That's, that's a really common structure bait yeah, down yeah. there. Why, why did you go with, with that style? Uh, more of a confidence thing really i dude i don't think i own any blue fleck power worms or anything like that that's like the rayburn deal i don't own any of that um but the the rain's bubbling shaker that's just a proven worm for me i've been fishing it uh, i've been working with rains for a long time um i utilize the three and a half the four inch and the five inch up north a ton for both smallmouth and northern strain largemouth whether it's a drop shot a neko rig you know a weedless drop shot in grass somewhere on cayuga um uh any of that kind of stuff but i basically just went to rayburn and picked up those two bigger sizes closer to the event and that's what i utilize that seven inch and that that 10 inch the seven inch uh, it's a long worm, but it's not like a big profile at all. It still gets a lot of bites and the, I didn't get as many bites on the 10 inch worm. Um, but that was definitely key towards getting some of those bigger bites. Excellent. Well, man, that's great, great information and great detail. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see using that run and gun strategy deep. I, I know, I mean, it, a lot of guys try to do that, but man, you seem to take it to a different level you know, uh, being so fast, uh, as far as, you know, hitting those spots, like really mm -hmm. using your forward facing sonar, man. I, yeah. I'm just like, you're there, you're not there. I'm moving on. You know? Yeah, exactly. No, that's it. Just utilizing active target and, uh, making as many, you know, casts as I could on high percentage, high percentage deals that big fish were on, you know, if they if I rolled up and they weren't there, I wasn't going to stay. You know, if there's two to three pounders there, I still wasn't going to stay. You know, um, I'd let my co-cast in there a few times, maybe pick one up. But other than that, I was I was out of there. So, uh, yeah, and it, it definitely helped. Uh, I didn't have didn't have history in this event. And sometimes running spots like that 
trying to run a bunch of stuff you have history on. It has burned me on Champlain multiple times. It burned me on day one. I ran, you know, a ton of stuff that had big ones on it that were biting all of practice. And day one of the Toyota, they did bite. Uh, you know, day two, I basically changed things up and and uh, still basically was on the same program, but but uh, kind of locked down some areas and, and stuff like that. But yeah, on Rayburn, it was really about just running a bunch of spots. And even if I found a pile in practice that I would tell myself, you know, this one, the last 10 piles I found on this stretch, this one is probably the best because of how it sets up. I'd, you know, waypoint it with a special dot and I'd check it a couple times per, uh, couple times in practice and not catch them on it. And then those spots in the event, I would roll up, uh, roll up to them regardless of them not being good in practice. And I'd point this, I'd point my active target at it and there would be a big one sitting there. So that was definitely key was just keeping my head in the game new, uh, just to know what I was doing was correct. And that if I ran enough of those high percentage spots that I would get and I'd get big bites. Let me ask you this question because you were fishing deep and it's mm -hmm. how how close are you getting? How what's your boat position look like? Are you staying way back or getting oh, right yeah. up on top? Oh no, staying way back. And you know, that was one thing that's this is one thing that I always do, no matter where I am. Uh, and I noticed in practice and also my co-angler the final day was a local and he uh he shared with me some pretty important information that I didn't think of at first, but clearly made a big difference. And that was, um, he said, when he, like I said, he was a local, he does very good there fishing, fishes a bunch of events, both as a co and a boater, but he was very surprised at me, uh, basically staying a hundred to 120 feet off a pile and casting to it. Uh, he said, uh, that him and most guys there will just get up like uh, within 40 to 50 feet of a pile. But also in practice on scope, I noticed that if I would get like a five plus pound fish within 40 foot away from me on scope, I could, I would be able to tell that he could notice my active target. Basically like he would sense that I was there if I got them within 40 foot so that was a key that, you know, it, it wasn't really something I started doing there and I do it everywhere. It's just staying off of them. I like to, I like to look at that piece of structure within a hundred to 120 foot and then, uh, make as long of a cast as I could. And, and, um, that really helped me get bigger bites and get more bites off of, off of each pile. Um, it seemed pretty common from what, uh, my cove said on the final day that it's pretty hard to get more than one bite out of a pile. And if you do, you're doing something, but it was very common for me to get more than one bite and especially to get some of those big bites, obviously. But I think that was more of a key, uh, than I believed it to be at first. It was just staying, staying a ways away and, you know, still trying to get as accurate of a presentation I could. And most importantly on, on, uh, the, tournament days themselves day one and day two we had perfect conditions to scope it was rain 
and wind all of practice. But during the first two days, um, like I said, it was dead slick calm and sunny. And I was basically able to use my forward facing uh, to its full advantage. You know, there was no reason to get up closer than 100 feet to it um, when you have conditions like that. I could see the pile perfectly fine from 100 to 120 away and, um, you know, make a cast accordingly. Let me ask you this, because this would be my concern about being that far away is mm -hmm. is executing on a catch. In other words, <laughs> you've got a lot of line out there and you've yep. got a lot of trouble between yep. you and that pile. Um, how were you managing that? Like, what was the line you were using or the rods to mm -hmm. to be able to mitigate that 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 problem? Yeah. And I, hey, day two, I lost like a nine or ten pounder in a pile. Uh, I knew it would happen eventually, but at the end of the day, I would rather get the bite and have to figure out how the heck I'm going to get them out <laughs> than to not get the bite at all. So right. it was working, and that's what I stuck with. That's what I'm comfortable with. You mm -hmm. know, fishing clear water up here. I casted on fish 120 foot away on Champlain this week that saw my stuff and swam in the opposite direction. So I'm used to fish that, you know, can be tough at times and really just getting that distance on them and not letting them know you're there is key. And I will mention one thing uh, that helps out is uh, I work with Miller Rods. I'm sure you guys know Carl. I've known Carl for a long time. Carl Johnson yep. on the Elites. Um, if you take a look at all the models in the Miller Rods lineup, they're all slightly longer uh, than your typical rod models, like the Frog Rod 710. Most of the, we have one 610 spin, spinning rod, but all the others are 7.5 seven, to 7.8 in length. And even the casting rods as well, you know, it's just like a lot of 7.6s, 7.8s, 7.10s, 8-footers, 8-6-foot rods. Uh, one thing that Carl and I both do a lot and take pride in is really just getting accurate casts and accurate presentations at longer distances. And that alone with smallmouth helps you get a lot more bites and a lot bigger bites. And a lot of those rods are kind of designed with that in mind. Um, you know, they're not your typical blanks, not your typical actions and lengths, but that was one thing that, uh, that helped me out a lot was just, you know, a lot of people throw it, you know, maybe a seven foot, six foot, 10, seven foot, seven foot, two drop shot rod. I was throwing a seven, seven, uh, the whole time I get longer casts and people, I have more power in order to get fish out of piles or away from piles. And you get a better hook set with that longer rod from a greater distance. So that's something I take into account a lot with small mouse up North. And it definitely helped out a lot down there. What was your what was your line uh, choices for the drop shot in the Texas rig? Uh, typically, my drop shot setup up north would be a lot different. Different rod, different line, different leader, um, different hook, bait, whole nine. Um, but down there, it was basically just taking that same drop shot and upstepping it. Uh, I was using a heavier gauge hook like the Hayabusa 1.0 FPP. And basically what that is, is it's just a flipping hook, straight shank flipping hook that's sized down, but mm -hmm. it still has uh, 
that wire diameter that's a lot heavier than your typical weedless drop shot hook or nose hook. And that was one key. So matching that, that heavier hook with, uh, you know, instead of a like 10 pound braid an eight pound leader, I was throwing 16 pound braid and a 12 pound for uh, fluorocarbon leader. And, you know, just basically upsizing all of it in order to get, you know, get those fish out of the piles. Sure. I would, I, once I would hook one, I would really horse him for like the first 10 seconds, you know, almost to like breaking point. But that was net basically just to get him away from the pile. And I'd be watching him on scope. And once I got him a safe distance from the pile, uh, whether it was four pounds or eight pounds, I would then back off the drag and allow him to, you know, do his thing and fight him accordingly. Um, but yeah, just basically upsizing with everything the rod, uh, the rod length, the line, uh, hook diameter, and the whole nine. And that was a key because at the end of the day, you know, uh, I wasn't catching Champlain smallmouth. I was catching big old Rayburn bass. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely needed to, uh, to, to upsize accordingly in order to get those fish in the boat. Uh, well, it makes sense. And the additional rod length, that, that's, that's, mm-hmm. uh, gotta be so key. Uh, Man, you're you're just doing so well. Um, what's next, man? Are you are we gonna are we gonna see you on the uh, the Bass Pro Tour at some point? What <laughs> what are your goals? Hey, you know the goals. Since I was ten years old, the goal was always the elites. And uh, however I got to get there, you know, I'll try and figure out a way. But um, yeah, that's the overall goal. But you know, I'm really just trying to trying to make it doing anything in this in this sport. So. Uh, I'm a tournament guy by heart. Uh, I'm just gonna fish as many events as I can, as as always, and and uh, see what see what doors uh, open up for me, basically. Well, you're you're catching them, and uh, you. you know that's amazing. It's 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 awesome to watch. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk with you. Uh, I, you've been on our hit list for a while, and uh, oh, thank you. I'm glad we were able to get this worked out, and you've done so many great things since then. You know, uh, oh, thank so, you. So keep it going. Uh, are you going to be up at the Thousand Islands Open? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there for sure. Can't okay. wait for that. Yeah, well, I, I hope to see you up there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, t- take it easy on us. Um, <laughs> uh, the, we, should, we should be fishing for all giants up there, I imagine. Yeah, um, definitely. That's going to be uh, – the weights are going to be insane for that one. That's for sure. I You know, I can't wait. No, you know, we're locked into the river which is mm-hmm. uh, going to be an interesting um, interesting tournament for me because I always fish the lake. I mm. always make that and you know effort to go to the lake, so I'm going to be competing in the river, I think, where's for the, the cut, first time the, Where's the cutoff year. line? Where, where are they drawing the line for like what they're considering the lake? That's a great question. I don't know. I've, I, I got to look at the map. Do you know exactly where they're drawing it, Alan? Yeah, it's typically that um... – that last point on the left-hand side as you're going out into the lake um, on the New York side, you got that last point with the green buoy way off it. They usually draw a line from the end of that point directly across um, somewhere in that region. I usually have to look at a map, but, but I assume we'll all be making a pretty good run regardless of the lake being closed. So (laughs) you guys are at Messina? No. Is it Messina? It's not. It's not. There's a Toyota, I think, that's out of Messina. 
This one's out of the next town east or west. What, so oh, Waddington. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, gotcha. You're talking about the uh, open. Yeah. Yep. I I signed up for it back in uh, I believe end of January. I don't know if I'm getting in. Still on the waiting list. I fingers crossed, but but uh, hopefully you, I'll be able to see you there for that one. Yeah, I think you'll get in. I, I saw at the open, uh, the last open had 190 boats. Hmm. Uh, okay. So, so I start. I think we're starting to see some of the EQ um, qualifiers that really having a crummy season. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe retire early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, fingers crossed. I can get in that one. I was really looking forward to that. Uh, and hey, if I get in, I'll I'll be there. Uh, other than that, I'll definitely be at the the Toyota on the river and um, potentially Potomac. And of course the, uh, the championship looking forward to that. When, well, you got a lot of fishing yet to do. Thanks for Definitely. coming on and sharing all this uh, wonderful stuff with our guys. We appreciate of it. Man. Hey, thank and, you guys so much for the invite. I was really yeah. looking forward to this. No, uh, it was great to have you. Alec Morris, uh, the champ, the all time winning margin record at the MLF. Uh, I don't think it's going to get past, my friend. Uh, enjoy that uh, for probably the rest of your career. So thanks again for coming on, hanging out with us, and hopefully I'll see you at Thousand Islands. Heck yeah, see you there. Thanks a bunch, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, you, Alex. you too, Alex. See Man, you. what a what a deal! He's running and gunning like a tidal river fisherman. Yeah, it, only in thirty feet of water. It's it's crazy. It sounds like you know how we fish the Delaware River, but yeah. that's all. I, visible like you yeah. you know you run down the river and you look at the current breaks and you're like okay that's where there'll there'll be one there'll be one there 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 and there yeah. but to do that and to hear the amount of time he spends sitting at the console man it it's eye-opening really i it's really really eye-opening and i truly feel like if you're gonna do that and you're gonna go down that road of you know graphing you can't do it for just 10 15 minutes like nah. You you yeah. gotta you gotta sit your butt in the seat and just do it and just go and go and just idle and idle and yeah. idle and graph and look and look and look and look and look and almost just commit yourself to not making a cast and you know hey well we know somebody that's doing a lot of that this year in his program is Ike's strategy for pre-fishing is exactly exactly the same strategy it, it really really is and you know, it's amazing that how different your approach can be when you feel like you really know an area intimately but you don't fish it so you when you actually do start to fish your eyes wide open there's no preconceived notions it's mm -hmm. just i know you know where everything is and it's it's crazy like how much confidence that really can really can give you and like so here's a here's a funny you know little tie-in back in april of this year i found a little area on the chesapeake and I, I it's a it's like a sandbar basically and uh in april i mapped it all out did my did my zigzags marked every drop every turn every little thing april didn't matter may didn't matter soon as june came around boom mm -hmm. they were on it yep and that was something that i had found months ago mm -hmm. and like who knows when when you find those kind of things and you're like oh it looks right just because it's not working that day or that moment, the next, chances are it's going to be the, it's going to be yeah, right at some point. The, like, the next derby down the road, it, it will apply. And yeah, and I've spent hours and hours. Uh, 
before uh you know side imaging oh my gosh it would just i just spent days and days with just 2d yep. and finding stuff and now i can go out there and accomplish like it 10 times more 10 times faster with side imaging and it's it's such a like i i love going back to places that i've been catching fish at for 20 30 years and and i i don't fish them i just look at them and i'm like oh my gosh i didn't realize that right. there was a secondary outcrop nearby or yep. a grass line where i didn't expect it to but but taking it to the next level graphing for you know it's it's such a valuable tool and the way you know it's funny because the his pattern uh for being successful is one uh that we're we're finding the guys that are leading in the points races even even on the eqs right now that's his strategy yeah uh is to find that subtle you know yep. secondary stuff and running that stuff that that a lot of guys are overlooking um but man what what great insight on on how to fish and how to win big especially on bodies of water you've never been to before that is a great strategy for attacking a place you've never seen um and and just spending your time looking at your sonar so appreciate him being with us we're going to take a real quick commercial break because we got to give away some stuff like and share the feed uh this is your last chance we're going to be giving away some some great waterwood crankbaits and we have a vmc rapala uh prize pack what is it red line hooks baby red they line uh to the bone we'll be right back after this what's going on it's riz here from the bash university and i am excited to welcome in waterwood custom baits to the bashu family these are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of brazil they're made of marupa pedra wood it's extremely dense it's resistant but it's also really buoyant they're made of quality components with a 100 percent guarantee they're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line guys that was like my second cast with this bait that's a waterwood custom bait these things are handmade in the rainforest south of brazil and i mean as you can see right here it's a fish catching bait it's got the front hook that means they wanted it this baits uh it, it's running really true it throws really well guys check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That's made right here in North Carolina in the USA. 
strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. All right. Pete, you're getting too good at this. I tried to get you there. <laughs> I tried to like change up the the the, the time between the uh, end of the commercial you, and the, the truth point, comes you out. Were, it's yeah. all rich. You were yeah. dialed. You're you were, you're always trying to get me. Give me a countdown that ends like ten seconds before it's supposed to he end. Goes, three, two, one. <laughs> three, two, one, and right. then we we still wait. Yeah, you're, you're getting um getting too good. I'm at stalking this, you on the screen over here. Is what it is. But. <laughs> Welcome back to Tackle Direct Studios, guys. By the way, I want to invite you guys to get over to Tackle Direct right now. They're having an amazing deal on the spinning reels. The Shamali. Yeah. It's the Stratic 4000. The Stratic uh, Shamali, that's what I call them. Shimano. Uh, but the 4000, it's a real, that's the size I use. I love that size. It's less line twist, longer casting distance. And they're what thirty percent off? Yep, 30% it, it's crazy, uh, and they've got a pile of them. While supplies last, man, get over to Tackle Direct and uh, and pick up those new spinning. You also are talking Tackle Direct, and they they have the missile D bombs that week. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We need to put that rusty link. Crawl. The rusty it's crawl. It's the only the it's the only place you can find it. It's a custom color designed by a BTC and us here at Bass University. Uh, specifically for Tackle Direct, and it's D-Bomb. You can't get it anywhere else. The fish have not seen it. You want to go over to – so you pick up a couple spinning reels, you get yourself some D-Bombs, you're good to go. Um, we have uh, we have a question, Riz. We let's, do. let's go ahead and let it fly, and then uh, we'll give away our like and share. This is your last chance, guys, like and share the feed. All right, folks, pay attention to the details here. Okay. Alec Morrison caught a lot of his fish down there on Sam Rayburn throwing a drop shot, right? But he had to do a few things because he's catching those big, giant Sam Rayburn bass. So what we need to know is what pound test was Alex was Alex mainline? What pound test was his leader? And what was his hook of choice? So we need what pound test for his for his mainline? What pound test for his leader? And what pound test, or I'm sorry, what was his hook of choice? So put all those things in to one. No way. <laughs> <laughs> 
too fast. Oh, never mind. Never mind. He missed some. Miss it. I need. I need all the details in one in one uh, text, guys. We we can't have nineteen different messages. It's just. It's, That's so. funny. See, I was gonna go with the the Jake Gluzak's Nico rig setup to ah. win his derby. Uh, and because there's a lot of components to that, to that setup, <laughs> that's, that's com so many complex. components. I couldn't remember them. <laughs> I couldn't text uh, Jake. Uh, do we have a like and share winner, Joss? We sure do. Our like and share winner is Jeff Jones. Con thanks Jeff for uh, liking and share the feed. Thanks everybody for, for watching and uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We are we are going to be back next week. I think we are going to be. We are not. You're are looking we? Fourth of July. I thought I didn't know it was next week. Yeah, it's, it's next week. Oh my gosh! It's and here then we're at ICAST. Wow. Yeah, I'm really excited for ICAST this year. I mean, talking to all the sponsors and yeah. all the new things that are coming out. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So this shout out to excited. our friends over at Mincota, by the way, and. uh they they if you saw it on their social cheers yesterday, they put out a new trolling motor a brushless and dude, awesome motor so it's fortunate enough a couple weeks ago to go to the writers conference with the mincota guys out at spirit lake and i got to experience this trolling motor and oh my goodness it is so bad to the bone it's so legit it's fast it's quiet it's sturdy like I, I don't think I could break this trolling motor. <laughs> I, I swear. It's it's just like everything. That can't is, be true. Everything, <laughs> everything is beefed up. Frizzy, but, clumsy. <laughs> but this is uh, th this trolling motor is legit. Uh, we're going to be putting a video out on our social sometime later today of this trolling motor running, just absolutely going beast mode through the water, and you cannot hear a thing. It's incredible. So well done on that yeah. mincota no surprise right they built the best trolling motors that the sport of fishing has ever seen and it's a, you know, no surprise that they're stepping up the game uh i haven't had a chance to see it like you guys did i missed the spirit lake event unfortunately but uh thanks for having us there mincota appreciate you guys and uh yeah. guys check it out the the new mincota trolling motor it's going to be released i guess at icast yeah. and definitely keep checking our social pages because we will also be releasing what what's coming to us there's a few things that have already came to us but we're holding off on releasing <laughs> secrets, secrets. We're, are you announcing that we're going to be making an announcement we're making an announcement of an announcement of an announcement. So we're we are going to miss uh, next week due to the holiday. Hope you guys have a wonderful Fourth of July, and it will be away at ICAST. But keep let's we'll, go let's go live at ICAST. We I mean, we can we don't try have to do I think, a pod, but we can just go live on the socials, stuff like that. Which yeah, we will probably we will. Anyway, I, I think we'll be participating in an event on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Tuesday that'll be the, the fishing cup, the yeah. ICAST cup. The, yep, we'll be All with right. the ICAST cup with the Major League Fishing guys. Okay, and uh. And that's all right. My audio is still strong, even though the 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 camera is going. <laughs> oh, I'm back! Look, it fixed itself. Do we have a winner, Riz? We do. Oh my gosh! We have a winner guess. for the trivia, uh, and <laughs> the winner is no. Dan Allen. Dan Allen. <laughs> He's back. He actually gave he gave more info than I than I even needed. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. But the uh, the the correct answer was. 16 pound braid to a 12 pound leader and a Hayabusa one ot FPP was the hook. So that was his upsized uh drop shot equation for, for Texas big gigantic yeah. Sam Rayburn launches. Awesome. 
Well, I want to thank Alex for being Alec for being with us. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to thank Jake Gluzek uh, yeah. for yeah. being with us today. Yes, sir. And uh, guys, we got some awesome content coming your way um, on the Bass University channels. Uh, as always, uh, this week's seminar release is John Cruz, best baits of all time. Um, he's going to talk about all the best fishing lures that he's ever used. And he doesn't just talk about missile the whole time. There's a couple missiles in there, but he talks about just the, the best, most versatile fish catching baits that you could have in your tackle box. So that's a really good one because it kind of walks you through the, you know, a, a, a little bit of a, uh, an outline for the things that you need to have to just get you going in the sport of bass fishing. Johnny's a great instructor. He did really well with that seminar. Been with us since the start since since the original and uh also this week for our uh for our on water release we have scott suggs uh talking about swim baits everything throughout the seasons whether it's out offshore deep shallow shallow grass and everything in between um so stay tuned for that one as well that's going to be a really good seminar and uh we had a little bash university um trip justin and i took this uh this past weekend we went up to uh, one of the Finger Lakes and um, had had a really good fishing day on Saturday. Sunday was a little bit tougher, but on the way up, I listened to two uh, seminars of Bass U on the way up. And one of the seminars that I listened to was Mark Zona, uh, Comprehensive Approach to Dock Fishing. And one of the things that he talked about in that dock fishing seminar was how to fish docks based on the conditions based on the habitat that you have available around the docks and it absolutely unfolded like to a t what he said in that seminar and one of the key points was that if you have high sunny bright conditions right obviously the the fish are going to more gravitate to go underneath of the docks right so on Saturday, how many did we catch, Justin? 60, 70? Uh, I don't know. A lot. It was <laughs> it was just silly, and we were catching them all on top water, and it was insane. It was awesome. We, yep. We'll be putting out content of that here real soon. Um, but what happened that Mark Zona talked about was that when, when you get the overcast and you get the clouds and you get the rain, the fish get loose. And all the bass were around docks, but we didn't catch maybe one under a dock justin maybe that one flipping fish you caught was actually yeah on under or on the edge i mean he was on the edge of it but it was yeah but was the crazy. rest of them it was it was all about okay here's the corner of the dock but they're not on the corner they're just loose yep, in the grass the and they would be in between and, and just all around them but not a single fish was or not many fish were actually underneath of the dock so you could have went around that whole day doing everything we did but if you were fishing under the docks, you, you weren't them. getting bite. Yeah. yeah, you had to be around the yeah. docks, and it was it was pretty cool that it unfolded that way. And yeah, yeah. shout out to Z. Yeah, uh, great teacher at Bass University For and a great sure. great seminar. And that's a fact. You know, I we see that a lot. Like even you know, like they use docks differently. Like I I noticed it on a lot of our bodies of water that have current. Even on a cloudy day, they use the docks, and not because of the light, but because it makes a current break. Right. So there's a lot of different reasons and yep. ways that fish will use and feed off of a of a dock structure. But yep. uh, what a, that's a that's a great day that you guys had up there. And yeah. uh, oh, it was sick, yeah. Pete. <laughs> it was like it, by the end of the day, it was like wow, it yeah, was pretty incredible, and it was almost all on top water. Yep. So. 
doesn't get it. Uh, there's no, is there anything better than fishing in New York? We're we're actually going to be celebrating uh, Jake's Jake Gluzek's birthday in August up on the Thousand Islands. Oh heck yeah! Uh, like we have the last two years in a row. Uh, so maybe we we might go for a muskie this yeah. year. They they we have like, a couple of those. <laughs> <there too. laughs> they first yeah they they had Jake's eyes lit up. He's sitting over there behind the camera. You can come on to the shot, Jake. But he, uh, they have uh, where we're going up in the Thousand Islands region. I think they have two or three of the heaviest muskies that have ever been caught, ever, right where we're going. Right, right. Well, to the waypoint, to to the the exact area. Would you? What would you do if you caught a muskie as big as you are? Well. I'd get sucked right into the water, first of all. But uh, if I was able to get it in, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have words. I'd just be freaking out. I'd be going crazy. I'd be taking pictures and sending it to all my friends. Like, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't believe it, honestly. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to pick it up. I've seen those big 50- and 60-pound muskies. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're not easy teeth. to hold. Yeah, they've got they're, giant teeth and they're. No, they're you. just giant. I, I I hooked one on Sunday while we were up in New York, and it was it was a really big one. And I I told Justin I was like, dude, just when it gets next to the boat, just cut the line. Like I didn't even want to deal with it because I've had them. I've yeah. like I've I caught some on the Delaware River one year, and one of them was just a big gigantic one. And when I tried to grab it, like I I put my hand behind its head, and like I had one hand under the tail or whatever, and I went to lift it up, and its massive body just said no and there were teeth and everything flying around and i'm like i'm like yeah we don't need to mess with that one in there again but they're intimidating but we're we we, i love going to the thousand islands bait shop and they have all those giant muskies on the wall yeah there uh it's pretty pretty fun stuff so we may we may try that out not we may we are uh, <laughs> we are <laughs> all right we're all right we're going we're gonna have to put down the smallmouth rods for a few minutes try to catch a musk like yeah and then we're back to small all right that sounds good thanks awesome. for coming on the show jake you're welcome thanks everybody i'm very proud of you and uh guys we are gonna we'll see you on social of course you'll see us live feeds but we will be back in three weeks Whoa. for the next edition of bash university live thanks for watching everybody